Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Welcome back to another episode of Collider Witching Hour. If you're listening, you're probably going, that's not Perry. And if you're watching, you're also probably going, wait, that's not Perry. Uh, our, our lovely Miss Nemiroff is off living it up in Cabo for the Jumanji Junket. So I have the pleasure of sitting here with our wonderful Dorina Ariano. Yeah, good job, Haley. Yeah. You. Welcome. Hey, I'm so happy I'm here. I'm so happy you're here too. I, thank you for joining me. No, thank you for having me. Uh, I cannot replace Perry, uh, but I'm happy to always chat with either Perry or Haley because they're my favorite witches at Collider. So. Yes. And she's doing, Perry is off being a witch and bungee jumping because she's crazy. She's crazy. crazy. <laughs> she <laughs> so, enjoys that way oh, too much. Good for you. That's terrifying. If so. you guys haven't seen, go check her her social media. It's like there's, there's video and pictures of her bungee jumping and she's clearly in a state of like peak joy right i would be crying same yeah you would have to actually throw me out exactly because i wouldn't jump it'd be like a cat or yeah, something i'd be I, so scared i'd need so. to be pushed maybe a crowdfund for charity one day but oh, that's a nice reason to do it yeah but anyways how you doing my fellow witch i am doing great um i'm excited about our topics today we're yeah. kind of like yeah, we talked, Perry and I talked about Dr. Sleep pretty heavily over the last couple episodes, but um, we didn't necessarily talk as much about the idea of reboots and remakes and the good ones, the less good ones, what we would maybe want to see and yes. and some, some topical tie-ins as well, because I did it. I watched Joker. You did it. I did it. I'm so excited. Yes. Uh, are we, can we talk about it now or are we going to talk about it later? We can talk about it in one minute if you want to start okay. there, but just let me, because I will forget. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have another giveaway for you guys this week. Uh, we are continuing our giveaway partnership with Shudder and RLJE Films. So the Shudder. Yes. I love them Shutter. so much. If you guys it. haven't subscribed to Shudder, it's literally my favorite, my current favorite app to, to watch, to, to stream anything. I rave about it constantly, and I feel like I always have to be like, we're not actually sponsored by them. It's just really good. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they had that w- crazy uh, Halloween theme thing, theme thing where you could call in yes. and some like a live human person, yeah, non-robot, would actually like give you recommendations. Like, that's the coolest thing. It's very cool. It's like going to Blockbuster or something. And Sam's a cool guy, so it'd just be fun to talk to him on the phone. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but this week we have... Um, one I'm actually not super familiar with, so uh, watch it and tell me what you guys think about it. We have two codes for a film called Small Town Killers, which mm-hmm. which exclusively premieres on Shutter. Oh no, I I misread the press release. It no, I'm I'm actually correct. I'm so good at words. It did exclusively premiere on Shutter. Okay. It is now arrived on VOD, digital HD, DVD, and Blu-ray because there are too many methods in this day and age to watch <laughs> mm-hmm. a movie. Um, but you, my friends, can download and watch it for free. Uh, we will be posting a 
tweet to the giveaway. So you, to enter, will need to like and retweet, and we will pick a winner in the coming weeks. Yeah, that's how that works. That's how giveaways go. Well, it's amazing that you can just have to tweet, and then you get free shit. You get free movies. Yeah, that's awesome. Pretty nice. All right. Now let's do it. Okay. So <laughs> I'm so happy you watched this movie because I'm obsessed with it. I'm, And I also have been, I think I've said this before on Collider Live, that since Blade Runner 2049, I haven't talked about a movie so much with my friends because after watching Blade Runner 2049, some of us loved it, some of us hated it, and we're just going back and forth being nerds and overanalyzing <laughs> this movie. So the same exact thing has happened with Joker. Yeah. What did you think? Did you like it? I like it. I'm like, so to explain why I literally just watched it last night, uh, when you work online and live online all day, some things aren't worth the mental health toll. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I'm actually breaking my rule right now. I made myself a promise that I would not discuss Joker on air or on Twitter or anywhere because I just, I don't have the bandwidth to deal with the fallout from mm-hmm. it if it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you said this to me early on when, when I went to see it yeah. and you hadn't seen it. And I was like, oh, that makes sense because the Internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just you make choices and know yourself and set your boundaries. Um, and because the conversation got so specifically toxic around this one, I just didn't really want to get in there. But now having seen it. I don't think the conversation needed to be that toxic. <laughs> like, Agreed. It's really um, – I, I can see why it would be controversial or challenging, I right. suppose, in some ways. But it's really not, not worth all that uproar. I think it's, it's solid and it's good. There are things about it I didn't like. But I found – even though I knew everything that was going to happen, right. just sort of like one of the things that's going to happen on the job if you decide not to watch something is it will be entirely spoiled for you. Right. But even though I knew all of it, like I did find the specifically like the last 20 minutes very effective. Yes. And that's really when it won me over. Yeah. And and I, I'm glad you, you, you think that because it's crazy to have seen the controversy on uh, social media, everybody yelling on Twitter, uh, the media, you know, all the headline fear mongering. It, it, yeah. was, it was just so much... Um, and I and I'm I'm not quite sure if it was just purely for like clickbait, uh, but there was so many people in our nerd space that are fans of you know comic book movies in general that were already hating on this movie before it came out, and that yeah. was so bizarre to me because you know people are like I don't want to see uh, I don't want to empathize with uh, the Joker as a villain, and I'm like mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that's what the movie was supposed to be. It had to me, it did have elements of that, but that's not the point of the movie. I feel like I didn't need a Joker movie, mm-hmm. and what I got, I loved, and that's I, that's a, a a huge task to do for a mm-hmm. uh, you know me who I, I consider myself sort of a movie snob, <laughs> um, and uh, I I just I think this character I grew up being so fascinated by him because he's the answer to Batman in the sense that they're both created by a chaotic society Mm. and one of them chooses to try to do good and the other one just wants to create more chaos. But they both come from somewhere, Mm. right? Like they became the Joker and Batman because of their circumstances. And as much as we have all this entertainment uh, in in our franchises, whether it's Star Wars or, or all the MCU movies, other DC movies as well, that focus on good versus evil... Why does somebody become evil, mm-hmm. right? That's a, a fascinating thing that not a lot of people touch on. Like, it's so easy to just be like, oh, well, like, you know, Voldemort's the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. But why did he get there, right? Be- and, and that's important and, and I think relevant to our times to discuss those things as to how can we possibly avoid that from happening or how can we as a society take some sort of accountability and, and not – letting things get that bad for people to make those choices as much as you know these as a human you have a choice to become your meat you know you have the choice whether or not you do bad things um and you don't have to agree with the things that these people do you can still understand their pain Mm -hmm. and why they became the way they did if that makes sense Mm -hmm. well i think you're coming at it from a place of tremendous empathy and it's not like I don't think that this is a film that people shouldn't have been, you know, having conversations about. I definitely think there's a question of where the films. It's clear where your empathy lies. I'm I'm less certain about the films, right? Um, 
And I, I do think it has some uh, messaging about mental health that's a little out there. But I also don't – I don't go to my movies for messaging usually. Right. So that's not a – like I understand that depictions of mental health are important and those conversations need to happen. But I think that it's the conversation that's more important than the films themselves mm-hmm. um, in terms of like how we approach that matter. Right. Uh, I do like – I was a little conflicted on what the movie overall was trying to say in terms of its empathy and and, um, stance on mental health. But I I think what I didn't expect from it necessarily is like – it was in a lot of ways what I expected. But um, I guess the the, like slowness of the development and like – his his sort of turn to the – I didn't expect him – I'm trying to find the right way. I did not expect him to so very much not be the Joker at the beginning. Right. To the point that I was like, ugh. <laughs> like, I don't – it's like you do what you want, Todd Phillips, so this is not the Joker and I'm not for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I still feel that it's not my version of the Joker that I prefer. Right. I like the – giddy giggling joker that's like the mark hamill yes 100 percent. that's my favorite version of the character yes. or, or going back to the goofy tv show that also has another similar read on the character like cesar romero you mean mm-hmm. yeah. um but that's not to say this take isn't invalid and that's sort of what i wanted to like why i thought that was a good fit for like the theme of our episode here is it's it's a reboot in a sense it's certainly a re-adaptation and and even if it's not my preferred version of the character, I'd way rather see something different than the same thing okay. only for 60 years. Right. That's what made it interesting to me is that I was uh, being a nerd and, and thinking, why are they doing this? We don't need this. And I saw you know Joaquin's attached. I'm like, oh, well, at least he'll be good no matter what material he's given, right? Mm-hmm. But um, But I think – it's a character-driven story regardless of what you think of like – like you said, like what your preference is for uh, how invested you are in these characters and what would you prefer to see on screen. But we do have a lot of options <laughs> yeah, exactly. if we want to go back to the goofy Joker, to the more chaotic uh, you know, Heath Ledger type uh, killing joke Joker right? that we saw. And I, I just think it was a cool different take on it. And the – whatever you think of the movie, whether you like it or not story-wise – I think it's a really beautiful, well-filmed um, uh, uh, movie. Yeah. It, it's it's this. I I was so obsessed with the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hildor, the cellist that worked with Johan Johansson, she did a fantastic job. When you see Joaquin just walking on the streets of Gotham, it, and and you hear like the thunderous strings, mm-hmm. it, it it felt like I was watching a, a you know a Hitchcock movie with a score by Bernard Herrmann. Which which is interesting because that's what I think why I like the movie because it felt like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And that's why mm-hmm. I'm curious as to like you as a horror fan as well if you felt that way and, and if that was your take uh, also because that's maybe why people thought it was so disturbing, right? But we're oh, used yeah. to seeing much more disturbing <laughs> things on film. I, I, I do think it falls into the genre and I think that's probably why I like The Last Bit the best is because it is the most horrific. Yeah. Um, it's – surprisingly horror-y to me. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was playing on genre lines, but especially the score, as you said, is very, like, it's very evocative and it does on its own make you feel bad and, mm-hmm. like, scared and stressed. Um, and I, again, knowing what happened was surprised by particularly the final bit of violence I don't, do we need to do non-spoilers? It's been out for so long. Right. Yeah. Spoilers, guys. Spoilers yeah, for there Joker. You go. Um, but yeah, like when Murray Franklin got shot in the fucking face, mm-hmm. I knew that was coming and still was very affected by it in mm-hmm. a way I did not expect. And it did make me feel like dark, gross, psychological horror things. And right. also the imagery of the bloody smile was very effective and deeply chilling. And yes. um, all of that was so much more horror-y than I was expecting even having heard for months how disturbing people found it. Yes. I mean, I, I think my favorite scene in the whole movie uh, is the most 
horror-like scene, which is when he's in a, his apartment and his two old coworkers come visit him. Oh yeah, that's right? a great scene. That is holy, like that the whole thing time there because you don't know if he's going to kill the mm-hmm. little guy. You know, like when he's trying to reach for the door. Like it, it just it was so effective. Yeah, and and it and I felt like they did a, a great job with you seeing the Joker be. Do you know, is, is he going to do it or not? Is he going to be a bad person right now or not? And then he lets him go. Mm-hmm. And then you're thinking, oh, because he didn't, you know, hurt him uh, because the, the his coworker did not hurt the Joker himself. Then the Joker let him go and he was nice to him. And that's that's another interesting take on it where mm-hmm. it's like, does that mean he was only hurting people that hurt him? You know, because that and that doesn't make him a good person. He no. still is a murderer. He still he still becomes irredeemable. But it's just I thought. The the reason people are confused as to what the message of this movie is is because Todd Phillips did a good job in leaving things very in, in a more subtle way that mm-hmm. way, and he did the same thing with the you know Tom is Wayne and uh, Joker's mom, mm-hmm. which you don't know necessarily who's telling the truth mm-hmm. about their relationship, sure. right? And so you can end up say, thinking, oh, Tom is Wayne's kind of being a dick, but then. The, Joker, the Joker's mom, like she was a, a manipulative dick to her son as well. Right? Okay, but if I don't even know if I think he's being a dick. Like, if you found out some strange man had his fingers in your son's mouth, would you not punch him out in the bathroom? Oh, for sure. Like that's but, way out of line. But it is, and that's what's interesting though, because but then you also think that he was kind of mean to just be like, "No, you're not my son." Bye. Mm. Like, if somebody comes to me and says, "Oh, I, I'm your son," like my mom told me this, it's like you have to think about. This person's been believing this sure, their entire sure, sure. lives. Like, so I feel like he was. He they did show a more gray version of the Wayne. Oh, definitely. Characters, and I really yeah. enjoyed that because we don't get to see that, and that makes for a a more interesting portrayal of Gotham in general and how uh, everybody that's on the lower end of you know uh, the economy mm-hmm. is is frustrated with these people and 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 you can understand why the Joker then gains these followers right mm-hmm. so I thought that was really well well done. It's interesting. I mean, the question of like, is he only hurting people who hurt him? I think that. Um, from what I've read in interviews, that seems to be the stance of the filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely not the Joker's general philosophy. So mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. Obviously, and maybe that's just him is, becoming the Joker in this right. movie, right? Well, I was just going to say, obviously, this is a, a possible origin story and not right. even necessarily true because of how the film ends. Yeah. Um, but it takes it takes risks. It takes strides. I liked a, a lot of those aspects of it. I think all the performances are great, and Joaquin Phoenix does deserve the attention he's getting, yes. regardless of how you feel about the film. In the beginning of the film, again, I really was not feeling it. I was like, oh, this is everything I didn't want it to be. Um, and I found it very obvious and over the top, and even his— I agree. His performance, I was like, is he going to do this the whole movie? <laughs> like, <'cause>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's good, yeah. but it's um, one thing yeah. until it's not. Right. And then it's very special. Yes. And I agree that I, I was nervous and it was I was so excited and nervous because of, you know, I was trying to get rid of all the talk around it. Yeah. And I went on like, you know, uh, premiere night and I was just sitting there like, out, I was out of the movie, like watching the first like twenty minutes. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like this. What is this? And then, just like thirty minutes in, I, it completely grabbed me, and I was so happy. As soon as we see him murder those rich douchebags, mm-hmm. and then he does that bathroom dance, like I, I will say that I'm a nerd. I started like getting teary eyed <laughs> because I felt like somebody understood that part of the character as to like why this chaotic being came to be because of the chaotic society he grew up in. Mm. So. Mm-hmm. I'd like... My thing about it is I, I I like all that stuff, but I feel like you're smarter than the movie. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. But like, um, <laughs> I, I feel that it's a film that wants to say a lot of things about society, but only says very surface-level things. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so, like, it's also really funny to me that he literally yells the film's thesis before he shoots him in the face. I was like, right. that's 
really obvious, guys. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not a subtle that. movie, and it's not. You know, the last time you were on the show, we talked about Suspiria, and I had notes, and I had to like really ponderously dive into it because that is a film that has like 47 layers that it's working yes. on. I mean, you think you get the cultural layer, there's the psychological layer, mm-hmm. the this um, what's Freud's thing? Psychoanalysis, mm-hmm. like not even psychology, psychoanalysis. Um, there's gender, there's motherhood, there's like that is to me a film that's operating on almost too many levels except that it it just pulls it off barely Mm -hmm. this is sort of the opposite end of the spectrum to me where it's saying one thing very loudly Mm -hmm. that does less for me personally and I wish I wish that it had a little more nuance in what it's trying to say about society right but it does say it's one thing very clearly. I mean, I can I can agree with some of that for sure. Suspiria is a much, uh, you know, it, it's a movie that I was obsessed with for different reasons that you and I obsessed over together. Um, and uh, it definitely it's a it's different type of storytelling that I prefer. However, because I went into this movie thinking it is a comic based movie, sure, that's why I think I felt like it took more chances that everything we'd been seeing the last few years and my frustration with the superhero genre in general that yes they're fun and and they're funny and some of the action sequences are cool but since logan i hadn't seen a character driven movie right mm-hmm. and i prefer I, I i find myself preferring those and we don't see a lot of those in these big franchise movies so that's i think probably why i gave it a little bit more leeway in the sense that i was like oh it's smarter than these other movies yeah does that make sense yeah it totally yeah. does um, and I don't disagree. I mean, I think on that spectrum, it's definitely doing more than we've come to expect um, right. in terms of like commentary and, and um, societal thought. Uh, I I do wish that it just came without the baggage because mm-hmm. you used the word I was thinking about a lot last night, which is fear mongering mm-hmm. and um, – how much we let our perceptions of a project get ahead of actually seeing the thing these days. I mean, I think like the worst example of that is what happened with the hunt. Like that's insane. Yeah. Um, that's uh, I can't believe I still can't believe that happened. It pisses me off. Yeah. Because I that just makes for censorship. It's it, right it, on the line. Yeah. It, it makes for people not it there. The, the thing about art is that it is an expression of our current societal times, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like whatever is going on in the world, uh, that's why we're huge horror fans, right? I feel like we we love movies and we love entertainment and art because it's almost therapeutic for us, right? Like whatever we're dealing with personally, like our own, you know, emotional inner darkness uh, uh, or or inner demons, uh, and then compare and then comparing that to not understanding the the, the world and its craziness. That's why we we. As, you know, we use movies as escapism, but we also use them as as something to help us deal with yeah. the crazy world, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there shouldn't be. Uh, I don't think anybody should be allowed to be like, no, don't show this because it's it makes me uncomfortable. Oh yeah, no, I don't agree with that either. Which is why the like. I think that nobody should be allowed to do that, but I do think filmmakers are responsible to a certain extent for the ideas that they intentionally put into the world, not not the crazy things people take from your movie you weren't trying to say in the first place. Right. Um, but that's different. Mm-hmm. Like that's a different conversation than yes. that movie shouldn't exist. And I don't know. Like this, just this movie just didn't need that. <laughs> like it's really not that, not at all provocative. And that's what's funny too is that I tell you that my friends that aren't nerds that mm. are just casual, uh, you know, movie fans that just go to the movies because they're like, oh, I guess I'll see this Joker movie because I know who the character is. But they, it's not like they go and see every comic book movie out sure. there, right? A lot of them told me. That was a great movie. It made me feel like I need to be kinder to people. That's good. Which is, like, uh, I guess a lot of people in the space were surprised to hear that. But that's yeah. what a lot of casual moviegoers uh, took from it. And it's uh, that maybe ho- I'm hoping that that's a good thing. And, and I'm hoping that that's what's happening and, and why it's made so much money. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's awesome. I definitely, like, when I talk about the film's empathy, I, I also can see the read on it that's like if you were in that 
character's sort of mental state, you might watch that movie and go, what a great idea. Mm-hmm. I'll just stop taking my medication and see who I really am and dive into that darkness and like things like that. But again, I, I, that's not – that's on us as a society how we process film. It's mm-hmm. not on film to teach us who to be. Right. I mean it's also people in real life, not movies, that do bad things – it's not like they were all raised, uh, you know, by horrible parents that mm-hmm. that that told them to be that way, right? Like something happens to these people in their lives uh, where they either snap or or it's it's uh, years and years of horrible circumstances, like whatever it may be. But I don't think most people are, you know, unless you're indoctrinated into a horrible, you know, group <laughs> where you're actually trying to you know terrorize humans, right? Sure, that's not the case. That's just not the case. So it's the same thing as like. Yeah, when you're watching a movie, like movies don't cause violence. That's just not mm-hmm. – I, I just don't believe that. It's the same with video games. I think that's such a uh, – what, what causes violence is people uh, – is, is a um, societal – I guess – what's the right word I'm looking for? What causes violence is how – we raise our kids and how and and what's going on and what circumstances people are going through because when you are going we are lucky that we are stressed out in our jobs and we have a lot of work to do and we're overworked and we definitely have normal issues you know Mm -hmm. but there's people out there that that live under horrible circumstances that don't have the same opportunities we do for sure and and i'm not saying i agree with the choices that make sometimes but i understand like i said their pain and suffering Mm -hmm. and why somebody would react in a horrible way sure and and it's and it's up to us to you know help not stop that from happening right i just think there's like this idea that like i don't know i'm I'm getting a little too deep into my thoughts about like the the, the responsibility of filmmakers and, and how we receive their art. But like I don't have whatever the thing is that means you have to agree with a movie to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And when I think about this kind of stuff, I think a lot because my ideas have gotten more complicated on the matter since when I was younger where I was like, no, movies do not cause violence, which I still pretty much agree with. Mm-hmm. However, I think that they can when like our culture isn't able to process the things they're talking about and instead they become – not a single film. That's not what I'm saying. Although I do admit I didn't – I have recurring nightmares of public shootings and I did not go to the theater for Joker. That was one of the reasons was I did not want to get shot. And that's understandable because um, we are all scared all the time yeah. about that. Yes. But I always think about – um, sort of like the the trope of rapey stuff mm-hmm. in in sex comedies and teen comedies that was so popular for so long mm-hmm. and how we've seen over the last few years very clearly that we have a problem with how we view sex and women in American society. And that's worldwide, but I can only speak from my own experience. Uh, but again, that's like – that's very tricky because it's not like the movies pulled that behavior out of nowhere. They learned right. that from us. They held a mirror to it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, by making it funny, mm-hmm. it made it more endearing. Totally. So these are like complicated issues that I don't think there's a simple answer to. But mm-hmm. ultimately, I always land on the side of like rapists aren't the fault of 80s movies. Right. It's that we we didn't point at that and go that's bad that's yeah. not what you should do that's on us it's not on the film right no that, that's a that's a really good point that you bring up because especially growing up in the you know watching 80s movies and loving so many of them but even seeing like uh something like you know john hughes which i love a lot of his yeah. films but 16 candles has some stuff in there some that stuff. you watch it now and you're like that's not okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and when we were kid, we, you know if, if, if a kid's watching that they, they they're thinking oh this is like a comedy like a teenage comedy then you know i guess it's okay to treat women that way right, right. so if nobody it, you're you're right that the, the filmmaker does have a form of responsibility there to at least make it clear that you know, in the movie, okay, if this is happening, let's portray this character as an actual douchebag. Right. You know what I mean? Not as like a hero or a sidekick, right? So there, so, so, so there is uh, definitely truth to that. Um, but uh, but it's it at the end of the day, 
there should be somebody there to be like, that's wrong, right? Like that's right. Or if the movie doesn't do that for you, then the parent of that child exactly. should do that. Right. It's just about I think that the issue that bothers me with the current times and, and, you know, people saying don't see this movie or, you know, people bring up the term political correct, correctness, sure. which can mean so many different things to, to, to people. But the fact that I guess how do, how do I say this? I'm like, how do I not p- piss people off? It's <laughs> like I'm going to piss people off no matter what. Right. Um, but um, if, if, if we are responsible for or, or not if we are responsible for how we raise humans and and I think people that it's not about education on a level of school. It's about education as to like how to treat other people with decency. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's who we should be as a society. It's like we sh- we need to treat each other with decency and kindness. Right. And and that's the, and then you can use art to for for filmmakers to you know release their own demons and to and to show yes humans are capable of doing all of these horrible things but you still have the choice as a human to not do them mm-hmm. does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah. I think we're pretty much on the same page as usual um, yeah it's I, I do think it's more of a horror movie than it's getting credit for it is. And I don't – it's definitely – the movie's not saying like in terms of what we were just discussing. It's not saying this is a great idea. Be like this guy. Mm-hmm. He's really happy and successful. That's right. not the message of the no. film. No. I mean the end yeah. of the movie is him standing on the car with that you know bloody smile yeah. and, and his followers praising him. But the score is like dark yeah, exactly. and sad. It's not celebrating that. No. It's saying that that's what happens sometimes, you know, when when you get people riled up because of their own circumstances as well. But um, the my point earlier uh, about the whole political correctness thing is that I just think that there's nothing wrong with having a conversation about it. Yeah, totally. And that's what art does is like we can talk about it. It, do, it, it, it There's nothing wrong with talking about, you know, violence and Whatever, you know, uh, like you said, like earlier, bad things that happen like rape, right? Mm -hmm. Because if we talk about them, we avoid them from happening later. Right. Yes. Just got to got to got to calm down a second to have the conversation is what has to happen. Um, Because screaming at each other online does not have the effect we'd hope it would. No. Um, well, let's not raise kids on Twitter. <laughs> let's not. Except for the memes and the awesome uh, accounts like uh, Zone Physics because I love those. Oh, I don't know yeah. what that is. I'll have to add it. Yeah. Well, we also kind of were going to touch on another comic book adaptation, reboot. No, it's a readaptation for sure. <laughs> um, but that also has come out swinging with incredible moves of reinvention, which is the Watchmen series. Yes. Um, and I am shocked because I thought it was going to be a lot more controversial than it actually is. I saw the first episode back in July. And granted, I saw it in the vacuum of only seeing the first episode. But uh-huh. I was like, people are going to lose their goddamn minds. We're going to have an internet civil war over this series. Mm-hmm. And it didn't happen. Right. And I find that so compelling because arguably Watchmen is tapping into even more dangerous societal commentary mm-hmm. more provocative mm-hmm. um, but people are not freaking out over it you haven't i mean i've seen a little bit but not as much as with something like the joker for sure mm-hmm. like I, yeah that, oh yeah of course there's yeah, yeah. always going to be a little bit yeah yeah but no um, you're right yeah everyone seems to really be loving the show as far as i've talked to like nerds and non-nerds yeah and like i don't know i thought there was going to be more backlash to the politics of it, but maybe it's such done such a good job of obscuring its politics kind mm-hmm. of in the alt reality. Right. I mean, I think it's it's not that obscured. It's pretty easy to say what it's or see what it's saying. Right. But um you know, it is a little confusing to be like the the police are the ones being attacked mm-hmm. by the racists. Mm-hmm. And they can't use their guns. Mm-hmm. What is this show saying? Like right. all that kind of stuff is very complicated. It's not easy to point a finger at it and go, what you're doing is bad and wrong because it doesn't line up with what I believe in because, wait, I don't exist in the world of this show at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what's fascinating about it because 
Um, I mean, and you obviously because Haley is like one of the best writers. Yeah. Um, she, uh, you know, whenever you write uh, about Watchmen for Collider, I'm always like, what did she write? Oh, thank you. Uh, but I think you, you know, uh, you touched upon the fact that probably why we both love the show so much, which is it's it's more an uh, exploration of um, just. How, the, 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 I think you said the surreality of human existence. That sounds it, like me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and just our own like you know self identity and 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 all of these uh, uh, not just uh, our social and political ideologies, but just existing as a human. And I think they the, the show has done that so brilliantly with all its characters, mm-hmm. right? And uh, not uh, especially. I was very excited to see Jeremy Irons in this mm-hmm. because um, I just. Because it's Jeremy Irons and of I course. just love everything he does. But I, I wasn't sure what, we're, what they were going to be doing with these characters as, you know, in, in this alternate future reality that we have them. And they've – they, they it, what his character is going through completely makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's brilliant because that's very hard to do, especially when that hasn't been written, right? So I and I think that that's 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 my favorite part of this of the show that they've they've, oh, yeah? they've done such a good job about uh, of with these characters uh, what and what would happen to them in such a smart unique way that that I I'm very surprised in a good way by it if that makes sense. No, yeah, I. I think that nobody kind of does that as well as Lindelof right now and I would say that because I'm a freaking diehard like evangelist for the leftovers it's just I keep hearing that man I gotta watch that show you really do Uh, and that show is also all about that like wacky what does it mean to exist everything is nonsense or is it type thing Um, it's it's also one of those shows and I think that this helps them like with the the sort of philosophical existential element is that it is not content to exist in any genre like it will it pulls devices from every type of filmmaking and every type of storytelling mm-hmm. to make its points which makes it much like the politics of the show very hard to pin down mm-hmm. and almost just from like a a, a I don't know, like a technical admiring what they've pulled off. It's very hard to wrap your head around it. Like, yeah. what is this show? Yeah. Yeah. What does it exist as? Is this a drama? There's comedy. There's action. There's horror elements, definitely. It's sort of everything. Well, it just seems like a really well-crafted mess yeah. of what, you know, of of saying, okay, like, it's, it's a good mirror of our society in the sense that we all want to be so, you know, uh, we get so caught up on, like, this is, these are my beliefs, and this is what exactly, like, what side I'm choosing, and, and, and uh, fuck the other side, and, and I feel like we shouldn't be that way, mm-hmm. like, like, uh, hu- humanity, and, and, we we are much more gray beings than that, right, we shouldn't be black and white, ever, and, uh, I mean, there's you know maybe not murder that that's like black it's probably and white. not the best yeah you know <laughs> like that, there's there's a couple of <laughs> things some right stuff. yeah but uh, but yeah it's it's uh, it's it's awesome to see a show that's that's taking those chances and not necessarily telling you this is what you should believe but presenting you with all of these different types of circumstances that people are going through and 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 even empathizing with different types of people mm-hmm. that you may. Not, but but or 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 the fact that you understand why things are happening, right? So you can you can you maybe you you may not. We we I feel like we don't have to align ourselves with a belief system necessarily. Like you should have your philosophy, your faith, your religion, whatever you know. You 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 may believe in that way, but when it comes to politics, I just don't like picking sides. Mm-hmm. I feel like we 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 work better as humans when we talk about these things and and be like, oh, you have a point there. Maybe we should meet in the middle. If right. that makes sense. And I feel like that that to me is what the show is showing that that it's like whatever side you're choosing, it's still problematic. I agree with that. And I think that it's also like uh, it's sh- it's super good at dancing through or, or not just morals are not the same as politics. Mm-hmm. The show has very clear morals. There's. No part of the show that's not saying racism is bad. Right. But that's a moral issue, not right. a political one unless you make it a political issue. Exactly. 
Um, yes. It's it's very well done. And I mean, it's I'm just obsessed with it, Torina. I'm just mean, obsessed. I, as you know, if I'm a huge soundtrack nerd, oh I've been God. listening to the, to the score by uh, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor like every day. <laughs> I know. I'm obsessed with it. I think it all elevates an already amazing show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that they do more stuff together because I think the last one I was obsessed with theirs was Gone Girl. So. Oh, yeah. Love yeah, that movie. That's a great movie too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also right on the line of horror. Yeah. Um Yeah, that I I listen to None with a Motherfucking Gun like probably every morning to get amped for the day now. Right. I'm curious to see how much of it, because it did drop so late in the year, how much of it will end up in my Spotify top one hundred. Right. I think a lot. Yeah. <laughs> because I keep listening to a lot of the tracks. Yeah, same here. Over and over and over. Totally gonna end up on that list for me as well. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's really great. Um it's just like how are they so good though? <laughs> we were we were talking about the the social network score recently and mm-hmm. how it's probably Gotta be the best of the decade. I mean, there are some competitors. I mean, I will fight you on that, but yes, it's one of the well, best. What would you fight it with? <laughs> well, I don't. Oh man, I mean, you know, it's fine. I, I've done my nerdy top ten list of the year of like best scores mm-hmm. on my dorky YouTube channel, and um, one of my favorites is Phantom Thread by that Johnny Greenwood. Genuinely hilarious that when I said there are some competitors, that's the one I was thinking really? of. Yes. Yeah, well, it's funny because it's so different, right? Yeah. Because the the social network uh, score, like most of the stuff that Trent and Atticus do is mm-hmm. through synthesizers, right? But I, I guess I was so pleasantly surprised with Phantom Thread, not because Johnny Greenwood, I mean, he's already great, you know, Radiohead, he's done all the other scores with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. but it was just so... Uh, orchestral and like almost Debussy like like it was just like throwback to really in your face uh, you know classical music sounding soundtracks and I just I was obsessed with it I couldn't stop listening to it and it's and its score it's a beautiful score for basically what to me is a dark romantic comedy mm-hmm. right so it just fits so perfectly yeah I love that that's that's fucking funny that that's the one you picked because that was exactly what was on my mind that's funny i also um, man speaking of horror mandy by johan johansson i really love that one too great one and speaking of radiohead the suspiria score is quite something dude especially after being obsessed with goblins original score yeah exactly good good on tom york man because that's hard to pull off to have some to create something that's that uh that fits so well for the movie, but that's so different than, like, the prog rock stuff that Goblin did. Good on him. I used to walk around campus in Santa Cruz when I was at college. And if you're not familiar with Santa Cruz, which I think probably most people aren't, uh, that's it is... in us, right? It is, yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe a little bit more this year then. <laughs> uh, and Lost Boys. And Lost Boys, correct. But... Most people only know it for that sort of boardwalk type vibe that they use in those movies, like uh-huh. the beachy ambiance. Right. It's also um, – it's like beach and forest, right, side by side. So the campus for UCSC is literally like dropped into a forest. So you hike to class and everything. Okay. And on the, like the the gloomiest days when I would hike to class, I would always listen to the Suspiria score. Nice. It was just like my anthem, my – every – I mean I've – I can't tell you how many times I accidentally stepped on a banana slug while listening to Suspiria. It's really disgusting. Yeah. But reason I bring that up is because just like you said, I love that thing so much. Yeah. I listened to it my whole life. I it became a ritual, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And still, somehow he pulled it off. Like and now now I listen to his a lot and yeah. probably maybe even more right now. It's kind of crazy because yeah. I, I saw Goblin perf- – uh, I've seen Goblin perform live a couple of times. Uh, so that was really crazy for me. Um, in fact, one of them was at the Egyptian for Beyond Fest and they brought out a ballerina <laughs> and, and, and she was dancing live. I was like, what is going on? Awesome. I was like, is this real life? Um, so to the, but then I saw Tom York recently mm. and he did – he played uh, the track uh, Has Ended. Nice. And I was like – when he's like, witches, I was like, me. <laughs> you know? I was so excited. Um, and yes, Suspirium, uh, the main theme song, mm-hmm. I, that was like my top one listen of last year on my Spotify. Oh, so there yeah, you go. Yeah, there We're we go. super nerdy about this. I love that. Yeah. It's always going to happen that I'm going to bring us to Suspiria somehow. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous how I've done it twice in one show. <laughs> 
it's a great movie. <laughs> it's it's the best. Both of them. That's they, what they they are both really fantastic. Cool. Fantastic movies. Um, but back to Watchmen just for a few more minutes because I'm going to do. You're caught up. I have not seen the last one. Then never mind. But you're are you done? Because you got no. some episodes early, right? I'm up to the one that airs this week, episode okay. six. Uh, maybe that'll be the one to start the Twitter war. Well, there um, you go. It's really something. But yeah, I am just in the dark, just as in the dark about how they are going to freaking pull off an ending to this thing as anyone. Is it eight episodes? It's nine. Okay. I have no idea how they're going to do it. Just trying to think like... How do you top a genetically engineered interdimensional psychic squid as an ending? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Not even top. Match. How mm-hmm. do you – and they are very faithfully like playing to the comic and mirroring the structure and the tone of the comic. And I just like – I know they're going to try to mirror that ending somehow and I cannot imagine for the life of me what that's going to look like. Right. Because you um – I think I've said this on some of our shows before that you because you wrote an article about the Watchmen movie ending. Yeah, you actually liked it. I do, as opposed to other people, and I agree with you. And I love mm-hmm. the breakdown that you did as to why it works more uh, for film purposes as opposed to reading something on, on a on a graphic novel. Thank you. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm I'm uh, as equally curious now. Do you know if this is it, or are they doing a second season? Um, they haven't really confirmed or denied, but. Lindelof has been clear that he designed his story as one one story right. and that should it come back, he probably wouldn't. Right. Um, but he's also said, you know, like there's so much to do in the world that someone else should. Yeah. Um, but I think that he had one very specific, <laughs> specific obsession as a Watchmen fan um, that he wanted to explore, and I get the sense he will have fully explored it by the end of the season. Right. I'm. I would say more, but I can't right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> we can talk about them more openly soon. Okay. Um, but I. I kind of almost as much as I love it. Hope it's one. What do you mean? The one season. Oh right, right. right. No, me too. I. That's what I was. That's why I was asking because I feel like that's better storytelling always yeah. when you just have a set plan for a certain number of episodes and then you're done. Like, like you know, heroes. Great first season. <laughs> yeah, I love that show. Yeah, and, and then I didn't. What, that's when I should. That's when I should have ended. Yeah, yeah. correct. That's what happens. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be one season though because everything is driven by money and it's clearly correct. a big hit. So yep. unfortunately, no. But we will hopefully, if it ends well, always have one very well constructed season. Exactly. Uh, that yes. I get. I think they took forever to write. Like clearly, obviously, yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> like, this is not something that was done, you know, by like farting for two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. Very well. I I know they have, um, as many shows do, like a sort of bible of the world, and I would be so desperate to read it. The, Agreed. All the hidden details and laws of the world they built. And now, do you feel like you're obsessed with this more than any other comic book property in a while? Hmm. Like, Interesting. Like, I don't even know if, like, what's something that you grew up obsessed with, like, whether it was non uh, superhero or non-superhero graphic novel-wise. Oh, what I was obsessed with growing up? Um, well... Non-comic book Buffy was my number one thing. Nice. Uh, comic book Spider-Man, Batman, Harley Quinn, Joker. Those were like my comic obsessions. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I would say, yeah, this. And I, I did – I felt pretty deeply hard for Endgame. OK. I loved that movie. I really liked it too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't like Infinity War and I really loved Same. Endgame. Yeah. Totally same. Yeah, I feel like Infinity where I was just like, well, this is just like nothing. It's just a lot of action sequences. Like I like yeah. Thanos. Like there was part – but a lot of the the the, the character-driven story that they brought to Endgame was just my jam much more than the other one. Would you say that Joker is like the hardest you've gone in for anything in a while? Um, You mean comic book-wise? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, pro- like I said, probably since Logan. Like, Logan was the last movie that uh, was uh, in the comic book universe that I got obsessed with. And mm-hmm. they're both character-driven stories, so that so that makes sense. But uh, but I was very pleasantly surprised by Endgame because MCU is always hit or miss for me. Mm-hmm. I don't love everything like other people do. Like, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of Infinity War or, or Civil War. Like, they're fine. Mm. I just never really – like, Winter Soldier, loved it. Mm-hmm. it. Like, Winter Soldier is one of my favorite comic book movies of all time. But the, in recent years, I'm like, oh, yeah, Thor Ragnarok's fun. But none of them have mm-hmm. grabbed me emotionally like Logan did or Endgame or Joker. Because mm-hmm. so. not enough people were dying. Correct. <laughs> Clearly based on your picks. <laughs> I mean, I'm basically dressed as uh, Neil Gaiman's death today. So, you know. <laughs> no, that's fair. I, I do. I, I generally like almost all of them. Not all of them, but almost Um but I could see how if your tastes skew darker or something like Spider-Man Homecoming would just be fun. I actually like that one a lot. I love that one. Yeah. But, but that was that was because it, it it doesn't have to be about death for me to like it. It's more so just that felt also like I was getting to know the characters really well mm-hmm. in that high school. Like it made me feel like I was going to high school with all yeah. with all these kids and it felt like almost like a John Hughes movie. Also, Michael Keaton. Come like, on. Come on. He was – He's one. Of, I mean, we haven't gotten great MCU villains, and he's up there. Uh, not not so much as you know in the Vulture uh, getup, but <laughs> him just in that scene. He's wonderful in the scene with the with the car where he's talking to Peter and yeah. basically just like not even yelling. He's just like, yeah, you're like super threatening and scary. Like that's amazing. That's that's hard to pull off. So. It's really good. Yeah, and it's a perfect like construct of every uh, teenage boy's worst fear of meeting the father mm-hmm. beautiful slipped in with like him being like i know you're spider-man yeah. so don't fuck with me like that was really cool i love yeah. that movie i'm so glad you do too no yeah. and obviously i'm i'm jesting about you only liking yeah. dark films for fuck's sake like I, I i can't even tell you how many people die in thor ragnarok like it's one of the most killy movies out yeah. there i know <laughs> i know but then it's really funny too yeah so exactly so weird well it <laughs> comes across as light but it's very violent right? <laughs> yeah exactly. It's like, oh, it's just a whole planet just blew up, yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah, that's not good. Guardians of the Galaxy has that, too. Yeah. I think it's the most deaths in a Marvel movie is in – well, until Infinity War. But, right. Because um, – Yeah. Yeah, that Bueller. was a lot. <laughs> and that was the whole galaxy, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> Hard to compete with. Exactly. But, yeah, there's that whole uh, wall of um, jet fighters or whatever on Nova – that just gets obliterated right. as like thousands of people die in exactly. the middle of the action scene. And then somebody makes up like a pun. Yeah, and exactly. You're like, what happened with all the people? <laughs> and we didn't know them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't get it. Maybe that's why, though, that type of stuff bothers me because I'm mm. like, you got to be upset of somebody. Like in Infinity War, the one death that got me with, uh, with Spider Man. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, not only because they're both great actors, but it's because of how it was handled. Right. Yeah. It felt a little bit more like, oh, yeah, I understand how scary he, you know, how scary that is and how scared he felt. I mean, he's a truly gifted actor. That yes. young man is annoyingly talented. Yes. Tone it down. Also a great dancer. I know. Mm-hmm. Annoyingly talented. Yeah. Cut this shit out. Right. Stop doing so many flips and beautiful performances. And dancing like Rihanna with a – looking super hot in that way. Still iconic. Yeah. We love you, Tom Holland, as does every other human. Also other Tom Holland. Yes. Very much so. I remember being at the um, my first screening of Endgame, and he was the one that when he came back, everybody in the theater clapped. Everyone loves Spider Man. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's great because he because he's it's hard to pull to to bring back a character that way and do it so well, and then become like the favorite. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's interesting. You know, we were just talking. There's so many adaptations of everything. You'll have your pick. Don't get too bent out of shape about any one of them. Mm-hmm. I used to always say that about people who were really mad about Batfleck. I was like, there are like six Batmans. Yeah. Watch one of those. I used to be that and now I've grown. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I, I don't think I have yet been furious about casting, but it'll. I'm sure I'll get there one day. <laughs> I am still pissed about Jesse Eisenberg. No offense to him, but I just—it's uh, not the type of Lex Luthor I wanted to see. That's, that's all. totally fair. Yeah, I just—I just wanted like Brian Cranston or somebody oh, older yeah. and scarier. You know, I get what they were going for though, because yeah. definitely startup tech moguls are terrifying. For sure. <laughs> um, but it's—it's it's just he did a fine job with what he had. I just yeah. wish the character was written differently. Yeah, I'm not crazy about it either. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't lie. I don't yeah. love that. Um. I, li- I do like Jolly Ranchers, though. So, All right. Think. There we go. 
Well, before we run out of time, because we can talk forever. Right. Uh, How long is this usually? Like an hour? Hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. We, we're we're almost done. Oh man. <laughs> See, Haley and I can talk for hours. I know. Yeah. I know. And we didn't even get to our like our actual what we were going to do, but that's okay because I like this way better. Um, we can do it another episode. We do a quick one. Yeah. We were going to talk about like. Um, the actual horror remakes and reboots. So we just kind of talked about readaptations today, which is honestly way more interesting yeah. to me. Um, but <clears throat> either coming up or not coming up that that are super interesting. And uh, I, when I put together the list to send you last night, I didn't realize there were like, what, five or six next year coming right. up? Yeah. Yeah. And like what is it? Like The Grudge? The Grudge, Saw, Candyman, Fantasy Candyman. Island – Oh, gosh, I know I'm forgetting some. I should just open the freaking chat window. Are you excited about Candyman? I am. Because when, when was that? Like 80s? Was that the last it's time we saw it? either late 80s or early 90s. Yeah, I, I, that's speaking of soundtracks. That's one Oof. of my favorite horror soundtracks of all time. Beautiful. It's probably my favorite thing Philip Glass has done, and yeah. I love that man. It was Philip Glass, right? I believe you are correct. Yes. yes. I was like Philip Glass or Howard Short, but I think you're right. Yeah, no, because I have the uh, vinyl because I'm a dork. So. No, it's <laughs> it's an incredible soundtrack. I, <laughs> a couple Halloweens ago when I was very, very drunk, I like dragged my friends down to their basement and I was like, just listen to it. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah, I'm really curious. The score, that's like another one of those Suspiria situations where there, whoever does it has a lot to live up to. Um Speaking of Watchmen, Yahya Abdul-Mateen, I think he is extraordinary and they haven't – I don't think they've quite confirmed if he's playing the Candyman or another character. But he has to be playing Candyman. He has to be. He's that perfect. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited about that. I, I, um, I, I think you and I both love both Fright Nights. Yes. Correct? Yes. Both of the uh, amazing Chris Sarandon because – Obviously, is like the coolest <laughs> ever. Uh, but I, I, I hope that we get more remakes like that because that Fright Night remake did such a good job of modernizing the story mm-hmm. uh, in a way that was that that you're not just copying everything from the original and you're making it your own uh, and 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 bring it to like Vegas. Like it, it made so much sense that David Tennant was this, you know, douchey Chris Angel character <laughs> instead of going back to uh, what was his name in original Fright Night? Oh, um, oh, wow. Vincent. Um, yes, like the Vincent Price type character. Damn oh, well, it. My brain. Uh, but yes. Peter Vincent. Peter Vincent. That's there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and same to be said of Colin Farrell's performance as the vampire. Like you can't do Chris Sarandon again. First of all, that doesn't work in the 2000s. That's a very specifically 80s type of sexy. Oh, yeah. Like the turtleneck with the, with the pair. Yeah, is Only like, Chris Sarandon can pull that off. Very unique type <laughs> yes. of hot. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I still love it. But yes. Yeah. You can't do that with that hair nowadays. <laughs> and Colin Farrell is updated. He's meaner. He's leaner. He's actually scary. Right. But you're also like, yeah, still probably would because that's... That's how vampires work. Right. Um, I love that movie. I was so excited when you said you did too. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we get more remakes like that. Hopefully the grudge is like that. Hopefully Saw. Why are you so excited about Saw? Saw. Mm. So kind of for the reasons you just said, the update type thing. Okay. Also because it shouldn't exist. Like um, I am – I wouldn't be surprised to find out that I'm either in a simulation or in a coma that started a few years ago. And every so often something comes along where I'm like, yeah, it's probably true. I think we're all in purgatory personally. Okay. (laughs) So there you go. See, it's too ridiculous to be something like that. That's that's my thing is that things are too stupid to be true. So one of those being Chris Rock writing a Saw movie. Right. It's too stupid to be true. Right. And that's fascinating to me. What does Chris Rock love about Saw mm-hmm. so much that he wanted to bring it back, update it, star in it, right. and write it. And then they got back one of the original and, and best-liked directors from the franchise and Darren Lynn Bousman. So, like, they're clearly not going to leave behind totally the aesthetic and tone of it. Right. I have no idea what it's going to be, and that to me is completely compelling. I agree. And also because I wasn't ever really a huge fan of like the torture porn movies, right? Like Same. when I saw Hostel, I was like, this is a good movie, but I don't know if I can watch it again because it's <laughs> it, that's disturbing to me, yeah. right? Even though it's fascinating to see like the makeup and all that stuff that they do. But um, but yeah, no, I, I'm excited to see what he does because like Jordan Peele has done such a brilliant job mm-hmm. with with uh, horror. And I think it's because he's he understands comedy. I don't know what it is mm-hmm. about like comedians that just maybe understand 
uh, you know, the horrors of life, and that's why they they turn to comedy as a release. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm excited to see what he does. I think that's part of it. I also think it's a sense of timing, which um, nothing depends on timing more than comedy and horror. It's it's like they're they're two opposites. They're like the uh, you know. The tragedy comedy mask from theater, except the the tragedy one really is horror now because we don't really make tragedies in the classic sense much anymore. Right. Uh, in film, it's tragi- it's comedy and horror are these opposite sides of the creative spectrum to me. I remember I used to think my life is a tragedy. No. Oh. Yeah, it's a comedy. I just quoted I, the Joker. <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> um, I want to talk about so much more, but we are out of time. Womp womp. Womp womp. Come back. Hang out with us. Be on Wishing Hour whenever you want. We love you. I love you, Haley. I love you too, Dorian. And we love Perry and we miss her. We always love Perry yes. and miss her. But she's having the time of her yeah, life. She is a crazy person, but jumping. <laughs> I know. Here we are. Like, we're hard and we love horror and dark things. <laughs> she's like, I'm flirting with death. I know. <laughs> That's our Perry for you. Yeah, exactly. With the biggest smile you've ever seen. It's crazy. But thank you so much for having me, Haley. Oh, always anytime. a pleasure uh, speaking with you of all the things, especially horror. Oh, honestly, all the things. But yes, always horror. Um, where can people find you aside from literally every day on this, this same channel? And now you guys are going to get sick of me because I'm now uh, with Roxy Stryer. I'm the uh, new host of Collider Live uh, and I've been doing it every day and it's kind of crazy. And, you know, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for the support. It's It's been it's been uh, amazing. You guys are um, killing it. Uh, we hope, you know, we're, we're it's slowly, you know, getting there. <laughs> it's a new show. So we're trying to you find our vibe. But I've been having a lot of fun. I love the team. Cody's a fucking amazing genius. And uh, Mark Riley, obviously. And then, yes, I am always tweeting away uh, really <laughs> dumb things on the Internet. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Evil Dorina and on Instagram. Yay. All right. And you can find me. I'm like trying to find a way to put off ending this, but it's not going to happen. So you can find me on Twitter at Haley Fouch. You can find me on Instagram at Haystack McGroovy. And, ooh, I've never got to say this before. You have officially survived the witching hour. Ooh. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.